Well, last Sunday morning we started a new series and I explained last week that the title for this series is taken from Philippians chapter 1 verse 27. Stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. And over these next few months, as we go into the summer, we're going to be answering one simple question. What is the faith of the gospel for which we are being exhorted to strive? What is it? Now, I'm not suggesting that I'm going to say everything that could be said. But we're going to look at some of the big topics that the Bible reveals on this subject. We saw last week that our only starting point and our only point of reference must be the Bible. And I did say also that in the Bible you find one central theme that runs right through it from beginning to end. And that theme is actually the faith of the gospel, which is the salvation of sinners, which God determined to accomplish through his only begotten son, the Lord Jesus Christ. That theme runs right through the Bible. The scriptures speak of him speak of his death we're going to be examining together what this word salvation means our need of salvation is our theme this morning what does that mean salvation well salvation consists of many individual truths which all knit together to form one grand truth. The word salvation, in a sense, is kind of an overarching title to the whole thing, but it can be broken down. There are many different facets and aspects which make up our salvation, and so we're going to be looking at some of those individual things in the coming weeks. As we do so, we'll see that what it was that Jesus did in order to save us and how it is that God brings the reality of what it means to be saved to us and then what it actually means in reality to be saved. What does that mean, to be saved? All of these things we'll be considering. But first of all, here's an important question. Who says we need to be saved from anything? Who says we need to be saved from anything? You go out to people in the street and say, you know, you need to be saved and the Bible is a message of salvation. And one of the very likely responses you get is, saved? Me? From what? Saved from what? Well, that's our focus this morning. That we do actually need to be saved. And we're going to see that we need to be saved from something. 
but also we are saved to and for something. Let's begin like this. Imagine an old rusting car. Like the one at the start of Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, if you've seen the film. Remember the two kids playing in that wreck of a car? And it's about to be consigned to the scrap heap. Because that's all it seems fit for. It's in a right mess. That's not how it looked when it first came off the production line. It's battered and it's bruised, it's damaged and it's worn. It is a pale shadow of what its original designer and maker had in mind for it. It cannot now do any of the things that it was first built to do. Can't do any of them. It's been badly treated. It's been abused. It's been used for all kinds of things that it was never designed for. It's broken. And it's totally unusable. And it's fit only to be discarded. But someone comes along and buys that car and takes it away. And it's saved from the scrapyard. Very good. But it's still in an awful state. And it's no use to anyone in its current condition. But the person who bought it has other plans, you see. Not simply to save it from being scrapped, but to restore it to its former glory. And the person who bought it, guess who that is? It's the person who first designed it, who first built it, and who first owned it. And they've bought it back. And they've saved it from something, scrapyard, but they've saved it for something, to be restored and renewed and to be loved and cherished. Now, that's not a perfect picture. But that old car is you. That old car is me. And that pretty much is the salvation that God has accomplished through the Lord Jesus Christ. So this morning, let's take a look at the big picture to see what this salvation really is all about. The first thing we need to consider is this. What we are and what we deserve. What we are and what we deserve. The Bible teaches us in its Genesis account of creation that man and woman were created by God in his own, own image and they were created to live in open and loving fellowship with God. 
knowing him, trusting him, dependent upon him, receiving from him every good thing they required for life and happiness, both in body and in soul. It was paradise. But they rebelled against God. They disobeyed him. They broke his law. They doubted and questioned the words God had spoken. They believed that on their own, they could choose something better for themselves than that which they already had with God. That lies at the heart of sin. Believing that on your own, you can choose something better for yourself than that which you have in God. That's sin. And so God was pushed aside and forward stepped man and woman in their own wisdom to make their own choice without reference to God. Only to ruin everything. And in a moment, in an instant, their relationship with God was destroyed. And the sinless state that they had enjoyed up until that time became a sinful state. A state of rebellion, disobedience, pride and guilt and shame. That was Adam and Eve as they ran away from God in the garden and sought to cover their nakedness. Instead of finding in God every good thing that they required for life and happiness in body and soul, they decided they could find it for themselves in the things of this world whilst leaving God out of the picture. That's sin. And this wonderful and glorious life that they'd enjoyed with God, it all came tumbling down. We call it the fall for good reason. They fell from the position that they had been in with God. He had called them to love him, to trust him, to obey him from the heart. Those days, weeks, months, years, we don't know how long it was before they sinned. All of that time that they spent with God, they were making choices but their heart was good and pure. And so all of their choices were good and pure. And their relationship with God came from their heart. It was a real relationship with him, a perfect relationship. We know that because God later calls us to love him with all of our heart because that's the relationship we were made for. It's what makes us unique in God's creation. 
to have that kind of relationship with the living God. And so that there, were, there were heart choices that Adam and Eve were making in the garden. But whilst their hearts remained good, their choices remained good. But then one day, faced with the option of another voice to listen to, they chose to listen to that voice. But why? Well, it was because they'd inclined their heart to listen to that voice. And they brought calamity upon themselves. They fell out of step with God. They fell out of love with God. They fell out of his will and purposes for them. They fell out of his favor and into his anger. Because the Bible makes it abundantly plain that God is holy and pure. God is completely and thoroughly good. And any form of transgression or rebellion or wickedness can have no place before him. Such things cannot remain in his presence. Such things cannot be tolerated by him. They are a violation and an offence to him. And they are so to a degree that we will probably never understand. And in their sinning against God, Adam and Eve brought upon themselves the penalty which God had already clearly made known to them. If you eat of that fruit which I have forbidden, you will die. The life that they had known with God was lost. It was paradise lost there in the garden. That life and happiness of both body and soul that Adam and Eve had enjoyed was gone. Because that kind of life and happiness for both body and soul can only be known when you're walking with God. But to walk with God, there can be no sin. And so now, instead of God's favour, they find themselves under God's curse. Instead of life, there is now death. First and immediately came the death of the soul. They became spiritually dead. And later, death of their bodies would follow. And that's been the pattern ever since. Except we just don't live as long as they used to back then. The wages of sin is death. The soul that sins shall die. The wrath of God. Wrath is anger in action. God's wrath is God's anger moving against us. The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness. The Bible teaches that sinners bring the hatred of God upon themselves. 
and make themselves God's enemy. And that's a daunting prospect. It's an amazing thing that Adam and Eve did to themselves. From knowing the love of God upon them, God's hatred is now upon them. Some people find it hard to accept that God can hate. The Bible teaches very, very clearly that he does hate sin. And whilst you remain in your sins, God's hatred is upon you. Before they sinned, Adam and Eve had only ever known God's love and grace. But now they have made themselves to be the objects of his anger and his condemnation. But here's something that's important to remember. It's not that God stopped being a God of love. God did not stop being a God of love. They put themselves outside of his love. That's the issue. And God is going to demonstrate his love through Christ in a way that even Adam and Eve could probably never have imagined. God has not stopped being a God of love. Sinners put themselves outside of his love. God is just as much a God of love as he was when Adam and Eve walked in fellowship with him in the garden. But God cannot love sin. Nor can he love those who willfully commit sin. Now it is also true that such is the depth of God's mercy that even though his anger burns hot against sin and his anger burns hot against sinners, yet he displays grace towards them. Such is his mercy. He withholds the full force of his anger from them. For now. But in our sin, you see, we cannot know and experience God's love in the way that Adam and Eve did before they sinned. While we remain in our sin, God cannot and does not love us the way he used to love Adam and Eve. But here's the message of the Bible. His love moved him to do something about it. That's the message of the gospel. Because God is still a God of love. And he wants us to know his love. And he wants us to experience his love. And his love has moved him so that he has done something about it. So that you can know God's love again. You can experience God's love again. Now, the very heart of and nature of Adam and Eve changed on the day that they sinned. And the Bible teaches that that same sinful, self-centered, rebellious, 
proud nature is something that you and I have inherited from them. And it teaches this very, very clearly and it says it in a variety of different ways. The things that we think and feel and do reflect that basic sinful nature that's within us, in our sins. This is the teaching of Paul in Romans chapter 5 from verse 12. Now some of those verses from verse 12, as we were reading them, you would probably agree with the Apostle Peter when he said some of the things that Paul says are difficult to understand and some of those verses are difficult to understand but they become very clear in his summary of them at verse 19 because all that he's saying from verse 12 is summarized in verse 19 and it's this by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. We've all inherited that sin from Adam. So also, by one man's obedience, many will be made righteous. Through this one man, the Lord Jesus Christ, is the answer and, to, and the solution to what Adam has done. In Adam, we've all fallen in sin. But Christ, through what he has done, is the one who can bring restoration and sort that problem out. But we're all born sinful. We're all born in the likeness of sinful Adam. The psalmist confesses it. Brought forth in iniquity, says David, in sin, my mother conceived me. And then later on, the wicked are estranged from the womb. They go astray as soon as they are born. Psalm 58. As soon as they are born, they go astray, speaking lies. Why? Because that's the nature that's inside of them. And just as the psalmist observes, because we're born in sin, it's sin that comes out of us. The sin is there from birth. And that's precisely what Jesus taught in Matthew 12 and in Matthew 15. Listen to the words of Jesus. How can you, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. A good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, brings forth good things. And an evil man, out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. But in all of us, there's only wickedness. Those things which proceed out of the mouth come from the heart and they defile a man because the heart is already defiled, you see. Out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. The problem is your heart, said Jesus. The way you were born. The nature that you've had from birth is your problem. And the Bible insists that this is the spiritual state of us all. All have sinned and fallen short of God's glory, says that well-known verse in Romans. There is none righteous, not one. 
And because this is without doubt our condition and our spiritual state, then what we saw earlier about what happened to Adam and Eve, that holds true for us as well. God's anger and judgment and condemnation are against us in our sin. We read in the Hebrews, it's appointed for man to die once and after this, judgment. Judgment. And listen to Paul when he's writing in Romans chapter 2. He says this, Do you think this, O man, you who judge those practicing such things and doing the same, that you will escape the judgment of God? Do you think you're going to escape God's judgment? Or do you despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? But, in accordance with your hardness and your impenitent heart, if that's, how, if that's the condition you're going to stay in, you are treasuring up for yourself wrath in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God, who will render to each one according to his deeds eternal life to those who by patient continuance in doing good seek for glory, honor, and immortality. And as we'll see as we continue, that, that's speaking about those who are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. But to those who are self-seeking, and that's all you continue to seek, to those who do not obey the truth and continue in that disobedience, but obey unrighteousness, what's coming to you? Indignation, wrath, tribulation, anguish on every soul of man who does evil. We need to be saved. You need to be saved. We need to be saved from our sins. And we need to be saved from the judgment and punishment of our sins. And the faith of the gospel begins when you first realize your need of salvation. And the faith of the gospel begins, secondly, when you realize that in the Lord Jesus Christ, God has provided the salvation you need. Now that first point was quite long. I've got two short ones to conclude. Number two, only God can save us. Only God can save us. Now, we'll unpack this a little bit more next Sunday morning, God willing. But the gospel centers around a unique message in the world of religion. And that uniqueness relies on, lies in the revelation that, that God himself has provided a way by which lost and guilty sinners, men and women, who in their sinfulness have estranged themselves from God and his love, they may be forgiven. And they may be reconciled to God so that they can know and experience God's love once more in all of its fullness. 
And God has done for us everything that's needed. Everything. God has demonstrated his love toward us in that while we were still in our sins, Christ died for us, died in our place as our substitute. And there is salvation in him. He took the judgment that we deserve. He paid the penalty that we would have spent all of eternity in hell repaying. He took it all at Calvary. And remarkably, the faith of the gospel goes even further than that. As even greater blessings are conferred upon us due to the vastness of God's abundant grace. God has done everything we need in order to be saved. And thirdly, final point, what we become and what we receive. We started with what we are. But what do we become? Do you remember that old car I was talking about? A clapped out wreck. Battered, broken, useless. Barely recognisable compared to its former glory. Only fit to be sent to the scrapyard and destroyed. Its current owner has shown it only abuse and neglect and has wrecked it. But the one who designed it, the one who built it, has never forgotten about it. And he searches for it. And he finds it. And as he looks at it, he does so with great sadness and grief, but also with great love and longing. He alone remembers how it used to be. He alone has what is required to put everything right again. That doesn't seem likely or even possible, but he can. It used to belong to him, but it was lost many years ago. But despite all of that, and despite the fact that it really is only fit for scrap, he sets his love on that car and he pays for it and he buys it back and he saves it from the scrapyard. But he does more than that. He restores it completely. He makes it brand new again. And he never again lets it out of his sight and he cherishes it and he maintains it and it will remain with him like that forever. And that's what he saves it for. Now that old car will prove to be a bit stubborn in the process. And that old car sometimes will put up a bit of a fight 
but the work will begin and the work will make process make progress and the work will be completed and he'll do it and that's what god does for sinners in christ saved from judgment and hell but also saved for something saved to be forgiven to be reconciled to be restored to be made new to be loved and to be cherished forever saved from hell and saved for heaven and in all of this to bring glory to God for what he has done that we could never do for ourselves and this too we'll look at in a bit more detail in the coming weeks but this is the salvation that all of us need that's the salvation that God has given by Christ Jesus yours for the taking if you'll confess your sins if you'll turn from your sins and by faith believe on the Lord Jesus Christ